We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Whether you host a nightly dinner party for two or five, keeping your eating and dining area clean helps keep your mind on the dinner party and not on the cleanup afterwards. Viva paper towels clean like cloth, trapping splatters and sauces that could become countertop stains or stuck on messes. And they're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. For an exceptional cloth-like paper towel, there's Viva. Visit vivatowels.com to soak up the clean feeling of home. Crossing route, Gurley makes the catch 20. First down, he hurdles. Far side of the field, stays on his feet. Inside the 10, Todd Gurley making his case for MVP. He throws back shoulder. Higby reaches out and makes an incredible catch for a first down. Off his back foot, he throws to the end zone. Cooper Cup leaping to make the catch. Out of bounds. He has it for six. He's got a knee-high snap. Looking left. Now over the middle. He pump fakes. He rolls to his right with Connor Barwin pursuing. He knocks him down. The ball is thrown up in the air and batted away. Incomplete. The Rams defense clinches it. Goff will come on the field for victory formation. The Rams sideline across the field from us erupts in celebration. And so the playoffs are coming back to L.A. This January at the Coliseum. We, not me, versus the NFC. And for the first time since 2003, the Rams are NFC West champions. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is managing editor Derek C. Apollo with the man, the myth, the legend. Norm Hightower on another edition of Rams Talk Radio tonight. We have a great show planned for you. Before we get into it, folks, hey, check us out on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Android, Player FM. We're everywhere. Also, we're on live in L.A., iebeatradio.com. They air our shows Wednesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Okay, so here we go. We are taking a partial break from, from our tour around the league today. 
to speak with former L.A. Rams defensive back Michael Stewart to catch up on his life after football and also talk with him about his memories with the Rams. Then we'll visit with NBC L.A. Rams Chargers beat writer Nick Hamilton. He'll give us his thoughts on the Rams offseason and where he sees his team going in the future. Before we get started, though, we need to thank one of our sponsors who keeps the lights on and makes this show possible. Okay, so, and that first sponsor, the one that really makes things going here, Jim Hawk. Most of us here are practically addicted to anything Los Angeles Rams. Well, if you want to learn more about the Rams history with a bit of a personal touch, check out Jim Hawk's Hollywood team, Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Rams. The book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. As we approach Father's Day, check out a sudden story of his father and the team he played for in an era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. Read about players like Norm Van Brocklin, Elroy, Crazy Lakes Hirsch, Tom Fears, and Les Richter in this story span the 1950s LA Rams. You can find Hawk's book online at hollywoodsteam.com or on Twitter at Hollywood's Team. It's also available in hardback and electronic format, Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Finally, folks, check it out. I read the book. I'm telling you, it's worth the time. It's not expensive. It's a great read. You can learn more about this person's story, about his father and the legacy he left behind. Check it out. Hollywood's Team, Grit Glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It's worth your time. By the way, if you want to win a free copy of the book, retweet our Twitter post for this episode when we put it up. We'll randomly select one visit, uh, sorry, listener to get a copy of the book paid for by Rams Talk. All right. Our first guest today was selected by the Rams with the 213th overall pick of the 1987 NFL Draft, which put him, put him in the eighth round. He overcame the odds not only made the team but started four games his first season. He ended up playing, this is Michael Stewart, folks, in 103 games during his Rams career, starting 76 of them. Mel, Michael, Welcome to the show. We're thrilled to have you on. How are you? Man, we're doing good. I appreciate being on the show. Come on. Hey, um, we have this big thing with Rams Talk where we like to get in there and talk to the players. We you know, talk about the, the memories, the history. It's a very important part of who we are. And I'm glad that you got back with me so you can come on the show because, you, you know, you were, you're from my era. When I first started loving this team, you were on that team. And so it means a lot to me. Actually, you were a rookie. My first year following the team, so I like it. I like it. <laughs> so, here we go. All right, we're gonna take you. We're gonna take you back here. Uh, what was I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to jog your memory. We're gonna go deep into the the depths of your skull here. What was the draft process for you like for you all those years ago, and what was it like to get that call from the Rams? Well, it, it's funny. I don't know. Uh, it may be on some baseball cards or some something, and you know, playing two sports. And so I was in Reno, Nevada. We were playing uh, Reno uh, baseball. First day went by, nothing happened. Second day, our sports editor came and said, uh, hey, Stu, you got drafted in the eighth round by the Rams. So it just so happened to be my favorite team growing up. And probably had it not been the Rams, I doubt I would have played for it. It was the Rams or nothing for you, huh? It pretty much was. you know. And uh, another side note, uh, earlier in the year, uh, I didn't go to the combine. You know, I had to, I was calling back and forth uh, because I, it was my junior year in baseball. So my ace in the hole was if I didn't get drafted in football, I still had a year of baseball eligibility. And so as a junior, I wanted to kind of, you know, I was a redshirt junior typically because my first year there, I, I you know, redshirted after transferring in from Bakersfield Junior College. And so uh, I felt like, hey, I wanted to get off to a hot start in baseball my senior, well, junior year, 
and I didn't go to the combine. And so a lot of people said that might have dropped me down in, in the draft. I was projected as a maybe third, fourth round pick. But I remember working out for the Rams and coach uh, Steve Schaefer came down and I worked out for him. And he's just, Stu, you know, if, if we draft you, you're not going to do like Bo Jackson to play baseball, are you? And I'm like, no, nah, coach, you know, if the Rams draft me, I'm there. So that's kind of how it got going. Well, you and I are the same age and uh, really from the same area. I, I later moved up to Oregon. But uh, when I when I was growing up watching the Rams, Jack Youngblood was a huge you know, I was a huge fan of his. And we, in fact, we just had him on the show and I interviewed him not too long ago. Is that the era that you really remember, you know, the Jack Youngblood times and Merlin Olson and all that? Absolutely. You know, Billy Waddy and and, and uh, Vince Ferragamo and, uh, you know, even uh, before Wendell Tyler went to the Niners, you know, uh, you know, those were kind of the years. Cullen Bryant and he actually still was coaching there. Uh, when I got there, and so uh, those were the guys, and yeah. and that's where uh, you know you just kind of feel. I grew up, you know, Rams fan growing up. Yeah, I hear you there. Well, hold on a minute. Don't let Norm fool you. He was alive when Jesse Owens was running the Olympics. Okay, so don't <laughs> don't let him tell you any differently. Uh, for you, going back to your career, being drafted so late, you had an uphill climb to make the Rams and earn a role. What was your mentality at the time, and what did you do to earn that spot in the team? Well, you know, the thing is, a lot of things in life kind of prepare you for that. So a lot of, you know, my upbringing and things and, you know, going from high school to a junior college, uh, I was actually an outside linebacker, defensive end, uh, they might have called it back then, uh, at JC. So I was used to being up around the line and rushing and, you know, I had like 13 and a half sacks as a, as a freshman. Uh, then the next year as a sophomore, you know, I was getting double and triple team, but you know, I started fifth on the depth chart at JC. And then even as a scholarship athlete at Fresno, I again was fifth on the depth chart and worked my way up. So getting to the Rams was just, to me, one, a lifelong dream. But two, uh, you know, they have some great DBs in. You're talking Johnny Johnson, Vince Newsom, Nolan Cromwell. And so just looking at that, I'm like, well, why would they even draft a, a defensive back? So... Uh, but with the help of those guys kind of welcoming me in, showing me the ropes, especially my man Leroy Irvin, you know, one day I was just like, man, I need to pack this thing in. This, let me go back to school. And he's like, come on, Stu, you're going you gonna to be okay. They like you. So Leroy <laughs> Irvin was a big encouragement one day out there at Fullerton. And, uh, you know, the next thing you know, I'm on the team. Wow, that's awesome. You started 10, 10 games in your second season with the Rams and then ended up being a playoff year. Then you started 15 games in your third year with the team. Uh, that was the Rams squad that made it all the way to the NFC Championship game. What are some of your favorite memories from the early years with the team, and what was the locker room like at that time? Well, one of my probably favorite memories, and today, you know, Eric Dickerson is still what I consider a great friend and big brother, uh, was just going in the locker room and, you know, it was rookie camp, you know, back then for a couple weeks. And I remember... Uh, just seeing names, you know, Charles White, Eric Dickerson, Johnny Johnson, all these names on these lockers, Nolan Cromwell, and you're like, wow. So then they show up, and uh, they just practice different. And uh, I remember Eric Dickerson, for whatever reason, we just he took a liking to me, and he would call me Big Money Sonny. I'm like, Big Money Sonny, <laughs> with you Big Bang Hank. You know, but that was a strike year, of course, 87, so learned a lot about, uh, you know, 
just the league in general. Uh, but that was a big blow to, you know, we felt to our team when the Eric Dickerson trade went down. So leading up to, you know, getting a lot of draft picks with the Flipper Andersons and the rest of those guys, Fred Strickland and, and other guys that came along with that trade in 89, uh, we finally kind of hit our stride. And, you know, Greg Bell, who was just, you know, solid, you know, running back, uh, you know, just kind of led the way him and Charles White uh, just were grinding it out. And uh, one of my probably favorite memories is we had to beat go to New England to beat them to even get to the playoffs. And uh, John Robinson gave us a little pep talk and, you know, just said, hey, don't worry about who's in the wagon. Just just load it, you know, just look to the guy next to you. And we beat, you know, Steve Grogan. And then we went on the road two weeks in a row and uh, beat uh, Philly which we shouldn't have. Then we turned around and beat the Giants in a big game. And uh, I remember getting an interception that game before halftime, which ended up probably being the difference at the end of the game when Flip Randerson made that big catch and ran through the tunnel. The tunnel <laughs> game. <laughs> it's my favorite game in Rams history, the tunnel oh, game. Man. It yeah. is, man. You mentioned, I, it's, this is something I just thought of as you were mentioning his name, John Robinson. Yeah. What was it like playing for him? Coach Robinson uh, was awesome I, I guess he would be considered today you know a real players coach you know he had a way of uh you know working us but then he always would somehow throw us a bone if you will you know he'd just pop in hey man no practice tonight and you just kind of go what and then you know he would do things like that but he was great at coaching his coaches and letting them coach us and then he was just about rallying everyone and keeping them together so a lot of those games especially down the stretch in 89 we won because of his just kind of calm demeanor keeping us together keeping us focused and uh you know we get to the championship game and obviously you know we didn't do well against those vaulted niners that uh, still can't stand but uh <laughs> give them <the> credit <laughs> we're with you <laughs> yeah, we're definitely we're with, with you, you there. We're with you there. <laughs> well, back in the in the nineteen ninety times, the Rams had you know high expectations going into that decade, and then you know at least by the national media, and then it fell apart, and the team went on this really long journey into nowhere land. What happened in your point of view during that time? I think it was just uh, you know we were just missing certain things at certain times. You know, uh, a lot of those games, if you guys remember, we would we'd be ahead and then at the end of the game, somehow, you know, we would lose, you know, and then we had some untimely injuries. But it was just uh, it was weird because it, after 90, I mean, 89, we figured, OK, well, shoot, man, we were one game away. We got pretty much the same team. We should at least, you know, go the same distance. And yeah, we were six and six. 10 I think the next two years then 3 and 13 and then you know Chuck Knox came and I think we were 6 and 10 6 and 10 again so yeah it was just one of those things that I look back and go wow you can play 10 years and you can be so close and then for whatever reason you know not the right personnel injuries you know other teams just improving you know fluke games and you just find yourself on the short end of the stick what was your greatest game as a Ram, and what do you remember about it? Probably a uh, year when we went to London, and we're playing Denver. And, you know, you're 
Elway and all those guys. But what I remember most is in Wembley Stadium, uh, we're out there during warm-ups, and you just hear this big roar, and you're going like, okay, what are everybody going crazy about? And it was Eric Dickerson running out the tunnel, you know, for pregame warm-up. And I go like, wow, this is like the big time. And so we get in the game, and I'm a rookie, you know, it was like you got to make the team somehow on special teams. And I remember uh, it was Mike Harden and Dennis Smith were the two hold-up guys when I was going on punt. So the very first punt, you know, my heart is, I'm nervous as heck. And they're standing over there laughing like, ah, we got you. And they tightened me up. And I remember I didn't get maybe seven yards down the field. And those guys were laughing and giggling. And I was like, okay, well, this is not going to happen again. And then the rest of the game, you know, I got away from them. And they were, you know, oh, man, get that dude. And so, but that big thing, uh, that that rookie game there was probably one of the most, wow, I'm with these Hall of Fame guys and pro bowlers and guys you grow up watching and you're here playing with. Well, you moved on with the Dolphins after the 1993 season. Why did you and the Rams part ways? Well, uh, if I'm to be honest, if you guys remember, uh, I was an eighth-round pick, as you noted earlier. Uh, the next year they drafted Anthony Newman, the second round. The following year they drafted you know, my buddy Pat Terrell, uh, another second-round guy. So if you just look at the way they drafted and what they did, you know, technically I wasn't even really supposed to be a guy, you know, once those guys were there. So, you know, we, we were great teammates. But if you remember also, a lot of times my, my contract situation, even though I felt like, hey, I've proved myself, you know, it was just a holdout situation, no free agency, you couldn't go anywhere, there's nothing. So by the time free agency came around, uh, you know, I've been a player rep, getting a little negative eye from there. But it was a situation where, you know, do we want to keep a guy went into his eighth year? You know, we got some of these younger guys here. Uh, and then it was free agency. And, and it was funny because some years later, Mr. John Shaw actually told me, like, yes, dude, we would have never paid you that. So I was real fortunate that, uh, you know, go play with one of the greatest ever, Dan Moreno. You know, I had the best of both worlds, getting drafted by the team I loved growing up. I uh, got to play there seven seasons. Then to be able to go play, you know, the last three with the Dolphins was, I, I think, a pretty great career. So what have you been doing since retiring from the NFL, and how have you kept busy? Well, a lot of things. Uh, for a number of years, you know, right after I retired, I was kind of retired, uh, though I didn't make that type of money, but I was retired for about probably six years just doing my foundation and things like that back at Bakersfield. Uh, we're, you know, getting kids to matriculate to high school, uh, I mean, to college, taking the right core courses in high school. And then uh, after that, uh, I became a financial advisor, executive coaching, if you will, did some coaching at Ventura Junior College a couple years, and then uh, started a mobile detailing business. And then we were doing some more executive coaching with athletes uh, that were going to be drafted. And then uh, last couple years, I've been coaching high school football. And then uh, now I'm back full time doing my detailing business. So and all of that, uh, my wife and I, uh, we head up the marriage ministry at our church. So we keep it pretty busy. You move around like you did on the field right now. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, you uh, you live in the, in the L.A. area now. What has it meant for you to have the Rams back in L.A.? And, uh, I mean, I, I can see you're wearing a Rams shirt, so I'm yeah. pretty sure you're still a fan. And, what, <laughs> and what's your relationship with the team now? Well, it's been great because, you know, we live in Thousand Oaks here where they actually practice. So the Rams have been outstanding since they've uh, moved back and trying to tie us uh former Ram players into things. You know, we just had our Ram reunion a few weekends ago. So it's just great to get together with the guys, you know, shoot the breeze, tell old stories, and laugh and giggle. So it's been good, you know, getting a chance to uh, just interact with the younger players and the organization. And, uh, you know, pretty proud of a young man named Coach McVay doing a real good job, which, you know, you asked earlier about John Robinson. He reminds me of a younger John Robinson, if you will, you can tell that the guys really enjoy playing for him, and you can tell he really enjoys coaching the game. Again. So it's it's been a big hit. So let's see here. You you have a detailing business. You've been coaching. You've been I, – I don't even know where to go. You've been all over doing all kinds of different things. And so what's kept your life straight, you know, all through all this? Because obviously – you know, you had a good career. Um, you weren't, you know, you weren't the kind of guy who out there made a gajillion dollars, and that's perfectly fine. Look at me, I'm, I'm podcasting. Uh, but you have definitely made it work, and you now have this pretty stellar life. What's made the difference for you? Well, the big thing I, I will say is, is my faith in God uh, from early back as high school, uh, just navigating a lot of things. You know, as we noted earlier, you know, being an eighth round pick on the Ram. You know, going in there every year was kind of, hey, Stewart is probably going to be odd man out, you know, year by year, day by day. And so that's kind of been uh, my ground, just being able to, you know, interact with level that I think that they appreciate interaction. One of the things that I appreciate, you know, people that have known me since I was young, they go, hey, Stu, man, you've never changed. Why would I? Man, you just, that. I said, yeah, but you're still the same person, doesn't matter what a jersey is or company may work, you know, I still consider myself just my grandfather. That to me is helped me just stay, you know, grounded, humble, just feel appreciative. Thank you. Now, you went to high school in Bakersfield, right? That's right. The drillers. <laughs> well, that's, that's a small world for me. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I still have family that lives there now, so uh, I come down there and visit often. Awesome. It's- I'm going to thank you for coming on the show. Uh, it's really great to catch up with you. And, and like, like Derek said earlier, we really like to talk to the, to the former players and get a feel for the team. I guess I'll ask you one quick last question, and that is, sure. where do you see the Rams going right now this year? Are they looking good? you think they're going to do well? Well, they're looking awesomely good. The dilemma is it's still the NFL where anything can happen at any given time. But as long as there's not some major injuries to a number of their players, they should just really be in the hunt at the end this year. I, I just can't see, you know, with Sue and, and Aaron Donald. Uh, uh, the yeah, monster. You, yeah, you just can't see, you know, guys just doing too much with those guys wreaking havoc. And, you know, with Aqib Tlaib and, you know, the other uh, Marcus, the other corners and you just think that they're, they're going to have a good defense and, and you, you feel like the offense is going to improve on what they did last year. So just feels like they should be in the hunt. 
Yeah, my only concern with them was linebacker. And so far through OTAs, they've looked pretty good with the young guys that they have. And, you know, when you have defensive backs like like we have and safeties and so forth like we have, and then, you know, an awesome D-line, I think the linebackers will probably be all right. Hey, real quick, before you get before you head on out, yeah. can you let folks know where they can find you? Are you on Twitter or any social media where people can follow you? Yeah, uh, I'm on uh, Twitter. Uh, I think it's uh, one Duke 23 is my Twitter. And then uh, it's just michael.stewart on uh, Instagram. All right. Yeah. So um, I think, Norm, I think we need to have him back on the show again at some point. Uh, he's, he's a fun guy to have on. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. Man, I, I like would love it, guys. Anytime. Well, you know, and, hey, and you mentioned, so you, you mentioned Eric Dickerson. Listen, I've been trying to get Eric Dickerson on the show uh, since we started it. And I just sent emails and tweets and – I get ignored. It makes me sad. So at least we got his buddy on the call. You know, at least well, we I'll got chase Ed down and tell him, man, he needs to get on with you guys. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, hey, and you have you said you have a detailing business, right? Yes, sir. Well, why don't you shout it out? We have a big audience in California. Why don't you shout your business so people can know where to find you? Well, if uh, the easiest way is probably just find me on Facebook. It's just Stuart and Sons Auto Detail uh, or www.facebook.com slash forward slash Stuart and Sons. Uh, and they can find me and, and look me up and we'll be good to go. All right. Awesome. Okay. Man. Well, I just followed you on Twitter. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. I'll, I'll get to you later as well. We'll have Rams Talk, the, uh, the Rams Talk Twitter ID. Follow you as well. Again, so uh, thank you so much for making this show. I really appreciate it. And, you know, we'll be talking with you soon. I appreciate you guys. Have a good time. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate it. Thank you. Bye now. So um, one, of the cute, one of the cool things I love about uh, the veterans, the, that era, it, Norm, it's special to me, man. I was a rookie fan when he was a rookie player. You know, I was, that was my time, 1987. That's when I fell in love with this team. You know, you know, you know my story. My first Rams game was watching them play Cleveland on Monday Night Football. That's Eric Dickerson's last game, you know. That's so special to me to have that era on. I mean, just like the Jack Youngblood era is important to you, that era is special to me. And it just means a lot. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd been a longtime fan at that point. You know, I was, uh, what, like 20 years old, 21. I'd been following them ever since I was a little tyke. So uh, it was. it's fun to get these players on and, and get to catch up with them and, and get to see, you know, what they're doing and how they're doing and, uh, you know, just to see how – appreciative they are to be on the show and to be you know part of the team again and you can't ask for more than this being a fan being able to talk to players that you used to watch i mean it's it's a lot of fun you get guys like him and roman gabriel and jack youngblood and you know how how come i mean we got the best job in the world doing that kind of stuff man it's well yeah this uh special to me oh absolutely uh, me too special to me okay uh and speaking of teams here we have a very important member of our team that's sal martinez his gold ram barbershop folks you're looking to support one of your own in the orange county area and like the old school barbershop experience check out the golden ram barbershop at 13755 golden west street in westminster california sal martinez opened up his shop as a shrine to the rams the day they left for st louis kept the light on he's still there He's by appointment only, so give him a call at 714-894-RAMS. Again, that's 714-894-RAMS, other words, 7267. Use the promo code RAMSTALK so he knows we sent you and get a discount on an already affordable haircut. The Gold Ram Barbershop is open Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m., 
and Saturday, 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. One more time, give Sal a call at 714-894-7267. A visit to his shop is well worth it. He provides an old-school experience with all the Rams memorabilia, all the football conversation you can handle. Trust me, you won't regret it. Sal even managed to give me a solid haircut, man. He, he fixed that that bald head of yours. I'm just yeah, saying. Made, made me look pretty good, too. We got to get we got to get Michael to go down there and visit him. Well, yeah. Yeah, I guess so. All right. I at, right before we bring on our next guest, folks, we're also looking for sponsors for the 2018 season. This is a great and expensive way to get the word out on your business. Our numbers are growing fast even in off season. We've good numbers. So, reach out to us at ramstalk1945@gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 657-666-5453. We have a media kit ready to get to you. Okay. Let me introduce NBCLA Rams Chargers beat writer Nick Hamilton. Nick, how are you today? I'm good, man. How you guys doing? Doing great. Uh, it's a much better night than the other night. Everything seemed to hit the <laughs> fan last time we tried to connect, man. Man, when the funk hit the fan, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's never ending. Okay. So, well, this is technically, we've tried before and, and things have happened. But this is technically the first time you've been on the show. So let's back up for a moment. What's sure. it been like? What's it been like covering the Rams in your in their return to Los Angeles? What are some interesting facts that some people don't know about the move in the aftermath? Uh, it's been a <clears throat> excuse me, it's been an interesting ride. I mean, when they first arrived, I, obviously when we got the word that the NFL agreed to move them from St. Louis, uh, the godforsaken city, to back home where they belong in Los Angeles, it was it was a lot of excitement. It was a lot of um, anticipation. It's been a 22 year drought. Um, since the Rams and the Raiders left back in 1994. So uh, there was a lot of excitement. Fans have been wanting NFL football here for decades. I mean, and there's a whole new generation um, that the, at the NFL had to catch up on because, uh, you know, there were, there were kids that have been born in 22 years. Uh, there were a lot of new fans that were new to the to the Rams. So uh, they had their, their work cut out for them. But I think everybody was excited. We were looking forward to it. And then they end up going four and 12 under that, that, that wannabe coach they called uh, Jeff Fisher. The wannabe. So, you know, he alienated not only the fan base, but he alienated a lot of the players on the team. I mean, you got Todd Gurley, who was disgusted, called it an elementary offense, which it, which that was nice. Cause I would have called it a kindergarten offense. But anyway, uh, I looked at, you know, what he did with Eric Dickerson, the great Eric Dickerson, who was a, a man amongst the people. He alienated him. So once that happened, I think it was all downhill. I mean, at first, fans were showing up, you know, 80-plus thousand fans in the first few games. But once they started losing, I mean, fans were leaving in the third uh, and early fourth quarters, and that was never good. But there's so much to do in L.A. I mean, you got the women, the weather, and you know what else, you know, the stickies of the icky. So it's always something to do here in L.A. So you cannot be losing in Los Angeles uh, with a team like that, where people were welcoming you with open arms. Um and so it just it, it, it was an interesting roller coaster ride uh, throughout that season. Thank God they uh, fired Jeff Fisher, which he should be under investigation for theft as long as he's been stealing money from the Rams and other organizations for the last God, Lord knows how long. Hallelujah. So he was about to, we got him out the paint. <laughs> Thank the God. Here. Okay, so a quick follow up to what you said here because you know. Some of us, like you know, are far away from the situation there in L.A. And you mentioned sure. that fans out there in L.A. have wanted a team for a long time. Well, the national media is very different. It's very different, and they've pers- they they've made it sound like the the Rams are a well 
shall I say, not the Rams, but L.A., the city is kind of a fair-weather town, doesn't care about sports, so on and so forth. What's the reality of it? And you're well, the reality that- is, I mean, L.A. fans are fickle. That's number one. There's no question about that. However, if you give them a winning product or a product that is looking to win, they will stand behind and they will support it. Again, this is Los Angeles, the second largest market with beach, mountains. You can go from the mountains to the beach in three and a half to four hours. Okay, all in the same day. So there's plenty of stuff to do. So fans are not going to spend their hard-earned money and be and sit back and watch a team be mediocre at best when they can go watch something else. And even in the second year when they improved, thank God for Sean McVay and th- and I have to credit uh, not only uh, Kevin Demoff but you got to credit General Manager uh, Les Snead for uh, being able to have the foresight to say, you know what, we're going to hire a young coach despite what a lot of people are, are criticizing our hiring move. We're going to hire this young coach. We're going to make sure these players develop. They had a nice mixture of veterans and younger players, especially with Jared Goff and Todd Gurley and those guys uh, getting Robert Woods, getting Sammy Watkins at that time, getting Jared Goff the weapons that he needed in order for, for his development to be a success. And so when you start to see where the Rams were going, where the Rams were even in those games, those tight games against Washington, those tight games against Seattle, they were at least trying to win. So that although the fans were disappointed, they understood that, hey, this is a process. We understand this. These guys are trying to win. They're fighting. They're looking. They're doing everything they can to get these W's. And they're beating some quality teams like the New Orleans Saints uh, going on the road in a hostile environment against the Dallas Cowboys uh, and a lot of other places like like going back to Seattle, winning in Seattle. And I don't mean winning. They open up a fresh can uh, on <laughs> Seattle in that game in in uh, at CenturyLink Field. So when you look at all those factors, and then they actually hosted a playoff game the first time they hosted a playoff game in Los Angeles in decades. And yes, they came up short, but even after that loss, I was in the locker room, and I didn't see a guy hang his head down. Obviously, the players were disappointed, but, but yet very very optimistic, and they believed in Sean McVay. Sean McVay, who I call the Tony Robbins of football, because once you talk to him. You want to strap on the pads and get on out there and play for him. That's how motivating he was. And everybody really bought into his system early on, uh, including the coaches. You know, they had Wade Phillips, who I call a defensive guru, uh, who was excellent. Aaron Donald, who came off a holdout and still dominated. Um, And then you had Bones, who was a special teams coach, which was a really smart move to keep him on board for special teams. Um, And I think now, uh, fans have something to cheer about. Fans have something to be happy about. And this is starting to slowly become a Rams town. Obviously, as I said before, uh, L.A. has always been a, a Dodger, Laker, and USC town. But now that the Rams are starting to win and look like they're, they're putting some pieces together to make a, a not only an NFC title run, but a Super Bowl run, fans are starting to rally behind these guys and really getting behind the team and starting to believe what Sean McVay has been preaching since last season. You had mentioned that, you know, winning is big and, you know, being good in L.A. We, we were we were and have been critical about how the Rams marketed the team in the first year that they were back. And, you know, we weren't big fans of Jeff Fisher either. And obviously nothing worked out that well, you know, that year. The Rams are now under McVeigh doing much better. Are the Rams, do you think, winning the battle for L.A., so to speak, against the Chargers and becoming an L.A. team again? Well, first of all, that I mean, the, the battle for L.A. is just nothing but, but some things between the fans. Um, that's nice and cute if you want to put that out there as a banner, but there's really no fight for L.A. Uh, the Los Angeles Rams have been 
uh, entrenched in Los Angeles for decades before they moved to Anaheim, out there to Anaheim Stadium. Uh, so you have a lot, you have decades of Rams fans from the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, and then you have, like I said, the new millennial Ram fans that from their parents. Uh, so you have a plethora of Rams fans that go really, really deep in the city of Los Angeles. Um, so I think when you look at uh, as far as marketing, uh, the Rams have done a much better job in year two. But it was a learning curve. I told people that early on. I was on another show. And I told them, I said, listen, when you when, when you do something for the first time of that magnitude, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to mess up. You're going to it's going to be trial and error. Some things are going to work. A lot of things aren't. But if you're smart, you're going to learn from those lessons and you're going to be able to be able to elevate yourself to a higher plateau and be able to not to make those same mistakes again. And and the Rams have done just that. I mean, even during training camp last year, you saw Kendrick Lamar and schoolboy Q out there tossing the football around, which got a lot of fans hyped up. You saw Kevin Hart come out. Uh, you saw a lot of stars because they understand that L.A. is a star town. So you got to bring stars around a star type of team. And that's what they need to do. So as it pertains to a quote-unquote fight for L.A. or battle for L.A., um, there's really not. I mean, there's, there's the Rams and then there's, there's the Chargers who are, are minutes apart uh, off the 110 freeway. So I think when you look at it, there's two different teams going in two different directions. The Rams are obviously going for a sprint. The Chargers are going for a marathon. That's just the difference. There's, there's, one team is not necessarily better than the other. Uh because they still have to manage all these egos. I mean, I know they got Brandon Cooks. They got, uh, you know, Indama Kasu. They got Aqib Tlaib. They got Marcus Peters. Um, and they have, a, you know, a, a nice little nucleus, especially in that secondary. That secondary is going to be extremely dangerous and bring nightmares to offensive coordinators, uh, especially with LaMarcus Jordan being young and learning from a guy like Aqib Tlaib uh, in that secondary um, and Nikhil Roby Coleman uh, and those guys. So I think – it's going to be incumbent upon the Rams and Sean McVay and his staff to massage those egos and get those egos in check and keep them in check um, for the greater cause of the team, which is, hey, we're here to make a Super Bowl run. And, it, and the Rams have cashed in all the chips. So they're, they're, they're in for the next two years. They're trying to make a strong Super Bowl run, and hopefully bring a Super Bowl championship back to Los Angeles. Well, I think you well, can you... tell from the gray in my beard, I'm one of the 60s Rams fans. <laughs> uh, born in born in Anaheim and, and went to Rams games when Deacon Jones was playing. So I've Fierce been around a long, Yeah, that's right. I've been around a long time. And uh, I know Derek wrote that question, but <laughs> they'll always be the San Diego Chargers to me. I don't care if they're in L.A. or not. Well, you know, remember, technically, they were the Los Angeles Chargers. They were L.A.'s original team before they moved to San Diego. So... You know, you have to keep that kind of keep that in mind as well. But I know 56 years is a long time to be in one place. You're going to constantly call them the San Diego Chargers. But, hey, the Chargers are here. They're going to be neighbors to the Rams in their new facility in 2020. Uh, so, hey, man, like I, tell, like I tell everybody else, man, swallow that pill, chew it up, get you some Hennessy, vodka, whatever you got to do to swallow that pill. But, hey, <laughs> it's here, baby. So you got to deal with it and just uh, hope that your team is going to be better than the team that you're sharing a stadium with. They better pay their rent. <laughs> well, I think oh. I think Dean can afford a dollar. I think Dean Dean's, Dean's franchise, I believe, went from I think it doubled, almost tripled in value in the moment they moved from San Diego to Los Angeles. Sure. Well, you uh, you've already touched on the question, so I kind of want to get a little deeper. How would you grade the Rams' offseason now, and what did you make of all the high-profile moves they actually made? I thought it was. I mean, I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was. It was very gutsy. I thought. It, I mean, the Cajonas were out there. They put them on the table. Like here we go. Um, I think that the Rams 
knew they needed to do something else. Obviously, losing Sammy Watkins, their deep threat, uh, they had to compensate for that uh, if they're going to continue to the, the, to elevate Jared Goff as a quarterback. Um, so they had to get a guy like Brandon Cooks, who learned from a Hall of Fame quarterback in Tom Brady, to kind of share some of that wisdom with Jared Goff. Am I calling Jared Goff Tom Brady? Hell no. I ain't been drinking. I got on here sober. <laughs> but what I will say is you can use some pieces and some tools that can elevate your game and make you a much better quarterback in year three, in year three than you were in year two. Um, and that's not to say that there was something wrong with year two, but you have to continue to to elevate. Um, I like the moves that they made with on defense. We all know Wade, Wade Phillips was licking his chops when he got a chance to get in Dominica Sue and Aaron Donald. And this was the first time that Ndamukong Sue since high school will not be double teamed this season because of Aaron Donald being there. You also had tighten up that secondary with uh, to go along uh, with, with a veteran uh, corner like Akeem Talib, who's willing to teach the younger guys like LaMarcus Joyner and Nikhil Roby Coleman, teach those guys the position, have them understand and absorb the position. Um, you have Marcus Peters, who I thought was a complete waste by Kansas City to give that guy up. I thought that was the dumbest thing in the, in the free world. Why the hell would you give up a guy like Marcus Peters? I don't give a damn about his attitude. Can the boy ball out? Can he play? And he's exemplified that he can play. And now he's in the NFC. So now you got a guy who, who, has, who has a lot of experience at that position. I don't care about his antics. I could care less. As long as he doesn't commit any type of criminal act, I don't give a damn what he does. As long as the boy shows up to practice, puts in 100%, does what he's supposed to do, doesn't get involved with the coaches on a negative perspective. That's all you can ask for. And I like Marcus Peters. I think he's a young, feisty guy who the Rams need uh, in that secondary. So I grade offseason moves. I give him an A-. minus. Uh, and the reason why I say A- minus because uh, Mr. Mr. Donald needs to get paid. Break bread or play dead. Break uh -huh. that man off a piece of that money that you guys have and make that man, lock that man up until he can retire. Marcus I'm, Peters said best. Pay I'm with man. you. I'm with you there for You're sure. You're going to get Norm dancing and they're singing hallelujah. That's his <laughs> been, he's been preaching that now for about a year. Hey, man, it's past up. time. It's past time. It's, it's long overdue. Okay, you got everybody else out the way. Take care of the man that helped put you on, help, help your defense get on the map. Well, I think that man is the best at his position. Tomorrow's June 1st, and I think, you know, that's when some contracts change and some things happen. So I think we're liable to see some moves where that's going to. That's definitely going to take place. So we talked about uh, what the Rams did in free agency. What did you think about how they did in the draft? Who was the best pick? Who who do you think they wasted a pick on? Obviously, our first round pick was Brandon Cooks. We didn't really have a second round pick. But overall, what did you think? I thought it was good moves. I, I mean, I quit. The, the biggest concern to me was a linebacker position because once you lost Robert Quinn, once you lost guys like that, you have to fill that spot, and I think that's what they were going after. I think that they couldn't have uh, – uh, I heard personally uh, from a reliable source that if they didn't get the keep to league deal done or the Marcus Peters deal done, they were going to look at a corner and possibly the corner out of Mizzou uh, they were looking at in the first round uh, to try to fill that position. But since they made those trades, they focused and shifted their focus over the linebacker, which they're going to have to uh, move in and move out uh, guys – at, uh, at, at almost like a platoon because it's going to be incredibly incumbent upon uh, Wade Phillips and his linebackers coaches to make sure that that position is solidified because NFC is going to be a, a much tougher division than the AFC this year. You have a, a host of teams you have to be careful for. You got to look out for the New Orleans Saints, the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, the Carolina Panthers. You always have to be on guard for the Atlanta Falcons. 
you know, Seattle can always play you tough as well, even though they they don't have the high caliber offense that they once had or defense, I might add. They're still going to play you tough uh, because it's a division rival. So you're going to have to make sure that that linebacker core is, is, is solid and airtight like Ziploc because if you don't, they will expose you. Once you get exposed, then here, here come offenses are going to be thrown right in that position, and you're going to get you're going to get blown out the water. And that's the only thing that concerns me. So a lot of these young rookies um, are, are are being rotated in and out. They're looking uh, who's going to be in that in those in that in that linebacker spot. Um, and I think by the time mm, I would say maybe preseason, we should get a, a really good idea of who's going to be in that spot. What what player is going to be in that spot? So I give them a B um, for the draft. You know, nothing flashy. Uh, but they 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 addressed the needs that they needed to have, uh, and they uh, so I think that you know the Rams are going to go ahead and, and take care of business. They got the flashiness out the way. Now they got to go and uh, you know get what they need to get. It's almost like a guy that he wins three you know three championships, and now he's about to go get paid because I hey man I got three championships. Now it's time to go get a hundred million dollars. I'm tired of getting five and ten million. Let me get my my payday, and that's what the Rams did. They got their payday. I mean, they got their championships. They went after their payday. I think when you get a line like you know with Sue and Donald and Brockers, and then you've got corners like Talib and and uh, Marcus Peters and our safeties and stuff, I think that takes a lot of pressure off the linebacker spot. And I think that's why they they were able to maybe not make it as as important as some of the other positions. I I've spent a lot of time watching Samson Ibukam. Uh, being from the West Coast, uh, Northern West Coast, up at Eastern Washington, and I really think he's got potential to to do well in the league. The question mark is is are they going to keep uh, Mark Barron? And you know, you you really want him to keep Barron, so they got some experience in there. But his money is probably the money that's going to help pay Aaron Donald, I would think. Uh, Micah Kaiser coming in, uh, Okoronkwo if he's healthy. Uh, I could see him being pretty good, but it's certainly going to take a while. So yeah. do, you, do you think that's going to hurt them early in the season? I don't think so much hurting early in the season, but I think it's going to hurt them maybe midway through the season because if they don't start clicking, like you said, Michael Kaiser, who I, I believe is probably one of the best guys that they drafted. I mean, a guy at 35 and 33 and a half sacks, uh, excuse me, 33 and a half tackles for a loss in 19 sacks, um, you know, coming out of Virginia. So that's not nothing to sneeze at. Also, too, I'm also looking at Corey Littleton, uh, who could possibly be fill that role because he does have some familiarity with uh, Wade Phillips and that defense and the way that defense runs. Uh, so he could be an intricate part of part of that linebacker core. Uh, so I mean, it, it just it remains to be seen. Like you said, I agree with you. I think Mark Barron could provide some help in that linebacker core as well. Uh, so we'll see what happens. I mean, we'll see how Wade mixes up. I'm not gonna question Wade. Good old Wade. I'm not gonna question him just yet. I'm going to wait and see. I'm going to look at him in training camp, uh, get a good feel for him in training camp, uh, and see what what he has up his sleeve. Because again, you doubt Wade Phillips, man, you might as well just you know cut your wrist and, and call it a day, man. Because that, that that's the suicide. <laughs> I agree. So where do you rank the Rams right now in the NFC, and are they to you a legitimate Super Bowl contender? I think they're a top five if they stay healthy. I think that I think health is going to be a crucial part of, of this process. Also, I think. Ego, keeping egos in check. You know, Sean McVay is not just a coach, he's a teacher. And I've watched Sean McVay from the first time he stepped on that field at training camp, how guys, there were certain guys that would maybe miss, you know, miss assignments or, you know, miss routes. And he would tell them, hey, okay, look, you missed this route. Here's why you missed this route. 
and he was actually teaching them. And that's what I think is going to be crucial, especially in those crunch time situations where you see most co- most coaches get flustered. They fly off at the handle. Hey, y'all. But they don't teach. Sean McVay teaches. Sean McVay makes sure you get the message like, look, you messed up. That's fine. But here's why you messed up. Next time we throw at you, this is what you need to learn from. And those guys get it. And they go back and they go right back in there and they have short term memories and they go back in there and they complete their assignment. So I think that's going to be crucial. But I think they are a top five squad. I think they can make it to the Super Bowl. They can at least make it to the NFC championship. Uh, But again, uh, health is going to be a very, very important factor, uh, as we witnessed last year with uh, LaMarcus Joyner and how crucial that was when they, they pretty much freed up an open side with LaMarcus Joyner no longer being there. So I think health is going to be their biggest enemy, their biggest opponent this season. You mean Kayvon Webster? I'm sorry, Kayvon Webster, excuse me. I think one of the biggest changes in the Rams you know, post-Fisher is the whole culture change that McVay brought in. You know, and the we not me and the trust the process and all that. You hear that all the time, you know, or things like that from other coaches and other, you know, media outlets that coaches are saying and stuff. But it seems like the players have bought into Sean McVay a lot more uh, hearing and, and saying those things. What do you think he did to get them to buy in? Is it just the fact that he's a, a player's coach and he's out there with them? I mean, they showed yesterday or the day before he was out running you know, gassers with them when the offense screwed up. So is that, is that what it is? Is it McVay that's bringing that on, or is it just a whole new process? Hey, Sean McVay is authentic, and that's what players respect about him, his authenticity. He's, he's honest. He's up front with you. Uh, he's not scared to get his hands dirty, as you, as you just alluded to a few seconds ago. He was a guy that was running out there with the players. I've seen him run drills with certain players. You know, he's, he's entrenched in what he's doing, but this is a guy who loves what he does. This is a young guy who can relate to other young guys. And I think that I think that's something that's missing in the NFL sometimes is that you don't get guys that can relate to, to younger players and relate to players as a whole. I think GM sometimes gets so scared to say, hey, we don't want a buddy system. We want somebody that's going to keep players in line and hold players accountable. Well, you can still get that and still be a player's coach and still get the job done. And Sean McVay has proven that. Again, he's a Tony Robbins of football. This is a guy that can get you motivated and get your engine running. And keep it running. And this is a guy who who's not going to take – I mean, he's not going to be a pushover. They respect him wholeheartedly. But Sean McVay understands, look, man, I don't have to jump in your face every other play. I can tell you what I need you to execute. You can go out there and execute it and, and make sure that the play gets done properly because this is a team effort. If you miss it, guess what? Now you put more pressure on the rest of your teammates out there on the field. So who wants to be the weakest link? Nobody wants to be the weakest link. And that's what he basically preaches. Hey – no weak links. We're all a team. We're all strong. We're all one. And that's what they believe in. And he's just real. He's not going to BS you. And I think the players respect him for that. Sure. I, I would agree. I, I played football a long time. And, you know, he's one of those coaches that when he came in and, and you started listening to him and watching him, he was immediately one of those guys that I was like, man, I would have loved to have played for that guy because you can just feel it and see it in what he's doing. And yeah, uh, I definitely course. think he's changed the culture for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, Nick? You've got a podcast going on yourself. Can you let our people know where they can find your podcast and check it out and also where they can find you on Twitter? Sure. You can hit me up on Twitter at Nick Hamilton LA. You can also hit me on Instagram at Nick Hamilton LA. I do have a podcast with my uh, other host, Michael Duarte. It's called Bolts by the Horns, where we cover the Chargers and the Rams. Uh, the inside moves, we have player interviews. 
Also, every Saturday, uh, the morning after with Nick Hamilton on Dash Radio, Dash Talk Station, uh, 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern. We cover everything in the world of sports and then some. So don't get body like Dre. You want to be a pusher T. Make sure you check into the show. You don't want to miss it. <laughs> All right, Nick, thanks so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate your point of view. and uh, We'll definitely have to have you back on again, man. You're a lot of fun. Hey, man, we'd love to. Thank you guys, and uh, continue all the great work you guys do on this podcast, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, so that was Nick Hamilton. You guys heard it. Check him on Twitter, at NickHamiltonLA. Also, same for Instagram. Uh, Good guy. He's a a, a little more laid back than last time when we talked with him. He was all over the place. I guess he – but he's he's a special dude in a lot of ways, so check it out. He does a lot of coverage for LA Sports. While here, before we move on, it is – Summertime in Southern California, which means sun, hot weather, visits to the pool. If you're looking to remodel, resurface, or even put a new pool, check out Jayhawk Pool, Plastering, and Remodeling at 4780 East Wesley Avenue in Anaheim, California. Jayhawk Pool, Plastering, and Remodeling serves Orange County and the Southland, run by Jayhawk, the eldest son of former Ram John Hawk. He built his business on a mantra of fantastic results and amazing customer service. Just head on over to jayhawkpools.com and take a look at their work. You can see the quality of their finishes and the testimonies provided by past customers. If you're looking to remodel, resurface, or even put in a new pool, give Jayhawk a call at 714-695-0700. Again, that's 714-695-0700. You can also email them at info at jayhawkpools.com. Folks, it's a great opportunity to support our podcast and help fellow members of the Rams family. If you live out in the area and need some work done, hey, give Jayhawk Pool Plastering a call. We'll be glad you did. All right, so we're getting ready to wrap up here. Had a lot of good Rams conversation. Norm, we were briefly talking about what it means to us you know, to have these guys on, like you know Michael Stewart. We've had Henry Eller in the show. We have a couple. We have a Frank Stams interview. He's a former Ram from the same era that uh, it's been sitting there for a while. We need to get out there. Uh, we, we've talked with Isaac Bruce. We've talked with Roman Gabriel. There's so many folks we've talked to, and. You know, I can't get enough of the history of this franchise. I really can't. How, how, you know, what's it meant to you to, to actually delve into this this history that we've had, you know, throughout our, geez, we're in our sixth season now. When you grow up in the area and you're you're there around it all the time, and then you, you grow up and you become an adult and have your families and move away and do all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, but I've stayed a fan the whole time. And then... Uh, all of a sudden, now we're talking to guys that, you know, I watched, you know, and idolized when I was a kid and get to actually talk to them and, and learn about them. And, and it's just it's one of the coolest things, man, I've, I've ever I've ever dealt with in my life. It's kind of like uh, it's kind of like seeing your superhero, you know, <laughs> you know, when I got to talk to Jack Youngblood, I, I couldn't even talk. I was just so amazed that I was on the phone with Jack Youngblood. And we're talking mm-hmm. about going fishing together. I mean, what the <laughs> hell? <laughs> well, you better call him before he forgets you, man. He's oh, no will. spring chicken. You can't. He'll be. He's doing other things. He's, he's already out back in LA for the Legends thing. He's probably already forgotten who you are. Oh you no! I bring, bring up. I bring up fishing. He'll know exactly who I am. <laughs> oh, okay. Let's, let's hope so. It, it's. I don't even know what. I can't even really put words to it. It's one of those times in a podcast where, you know, you and I we've worked hard to try and you know, have show notes together and script things out. But there's moments like when we get a guy like Michael Stewart on, who's just a normal guy who's yep. 
worked hard afterwards and made a living for himself and still has, just wants to talk grand football. He was a fan of the team before he even played for the team. There's it's it's special, guys. It's it's it goes beyond journalism, but it also goes beyond being a fan. You feel like you're actually part of something deeper, and that's really what we wanted to do when we even started this site. It's what I wanted to do. I don't want the history lost, and I I like to think that we're doing our small part to make sure that history does not get lost. Well, I'm really happy to see the Rams getting back into supporting the the former players and and doing what they're doing now. It's great to see because it was lost for a while, and that's one of the reasons that you started this. And talking to Michael Stewart tonight, can you imagine growing up as a kid in L.A., you know, or close to L.A. in Bakersfield, being a Rams fan at that time, going off to college, and then all of a sudden you're drafted by your favorite team where you live? I mean, could, I, I can't even fathom what that would be like. And, you know, just to hear him talk about that was awesome. And I look forward, you, you do a great job with, I mean, you work hard trying to get these guys on the interviews with us. And, and you know, we all appreciate that. But, you know, this is, this is something that uh, we need to continue doing. And, and I know how great it is for me to be able to catch up with these players. So I'm hoping that everybody that listens enjoys it too, because it's a lot of hard work and, it's also a lot of fun and worth a lot. And I, I really hope the fans appreciate it. And let's just keep doing it. Let's get as many players on as we can. I try, you know, and the weird thing is, I think some of the players don't understand what we're really trying to do. I've had, I had one player, and I won't say who the player is. I had one player who strung me along for like five, six months. And it's not because like I think he's a bad guy or think he was trying to be a jerk. I think he just didn't understand how much it meant to the fans and to uh, the people to hear from him. And it's kind of a shame. And so I'm hoping he comes around one day and, and we can have that conversation on the show because I really like to have him on. He's such a special guy and the things he did for this team over the years were very, very important. And, and so I, I hope that one day, you know, that anybody who follows this podcast, any member of the Rams family uh, can really see that we're not going to let this history die. We're not going to let it be forgotten. And from, and from Michael's point of view, how's this? You know, he, he watched – he watched that team. He watched. He mentioned Vince Ferragamo. He mentioned all those guys mm-hmm. wearing that uniform. And the media in LA sometimes will will kind of troll a little bit and talk about why is the uniform so important? Because we're, that's the uniform. That is a legacy uniform, and it matters. And they don't understand that it there's it, it has significance. It's historical. It's, it's it's a part of who this fan base is, especially the ones who have passed this down to their kids. And so it's not just it's a uniform. It's not okay. I don't care what they wear. They can wear polka dots and a thong. No, it's not about that at all. It's it's more than that. And you know, Here, I, here's one of Derek's famous rants. <laughs> it's, and, and no, I, I've ran on it enough. I, I've ran on it enough. But you know, I disagree a little bit with the media there, who because it is history. It matters. It matters. Sure. Okay. Uh, we got to go. We've, we have kept up your time now. We're over an hour. It won't be an hour by time. Norm edits this thing down. Um, he mentioned a date near June 1st that's signing, so I guess we'll have to get this one out pretty fast so we're not to add date by the time I get it to you. So, hey, I mentioned this earlier. When this podcast posts, remember this, when this posts, if you retweet this post, I'll see it. I promise I'll see it. And one of you who retweets that, that post about this podcast will get a copy of Jim Hawk's book, Hollywood's Team, okay? So remember that. I'll mention it on Twitter as well. Retweet it. We want to share – Ah, what we do out with everybody. I want Rams fans across the country to see it, so please share it out. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Talk Rams and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. You can also find me on Twitter at DC Paula. 
Norm, he's at Norm Hightower. Yes, that's really what it is. Just Norm Hightower. He's boring. Okay. Don't forget us on iTunes. Subscribe. It matters, folks. Trust me, it matters. A five star review that's still going on. The contest has been going on for like seven months. Check it out. We're on Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Android, Google Play. We're everywhere. Also on 90BeatRadio.com. Okay. For Norm Hightower, this is Derek C. Apollo. Take it easy. We'll see you soon. Adios. Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rivals. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh, my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.